And it's actually been a minute since we had one of these Oscar race checkpoints, but uh, no time like the present. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike, as we are having a chock-full episode full of news, and the sky is falling, basically, is where we're starting this, Mike. Yeah, we have been, you know, putting our chips on streaming for the longest time, right? It's Mm. all been going streaming and everybody's been happy and cue the Beach Boys music in the back of your head like it's going on off in my head right now. (laughs) We're we're thrilled, right? Mm -hmm. However, Netflix finally got a subscriber dip and oh my God, is the sky falling. All that being said, we also have a beautiful preview style segment on Cannes and Tribeca and everything. So we're going to be, woe be gone the days of all entertainment and Mm. then we're going to be like hey let's go and watch all this entertainment (laughs) movies might be making a comeback finally after the covid era thing but how funny is it going to be that netflix is going to close its doors before it gets a best picture win this is ted sarandos's villain origin story (laughs) yeah they're done they're 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 done stick a fork in them Uh, I believe you, Matt Bellany. No, I, I love that the town, by the way. But yeah, there's just the overreaction cycle right now is going yeah. nuts. Yeah. Well, when people lose billions of dollars, I guess you know that's where the headlines are. But, but whose also, fault don't, is that? That right, is don't Wall weep Street's for the hedge fault. funds. Yeah, yeah. Don't weep for the hedge funds losing that money. That's right. uh, but that's the that's the big story, and that's the lead story on this Oscar race checkpoint episode is that uh, Netflix had a severe downturn in the stock market and its subscriber numbers, Mike. Yeah, they had a loss of 200,000 Netflix subscribers. Uh, they'll, they do think they'll still gain on the year somehow. I heard that. But this is the first decline for Netflix subs since 2011. A number of total subs that is now at a whopping 221.6 million subscribers worldwide for Netflix. And look, I don't know if I'm reading this correctly. Please correct me, Michael, but 54 billion dollars were lost in value on that first day i saw all sorts of numbers i didn't hone in on anyone i don't know if that's just from the hedge fund that the big hedge fund uh whale that was out there that took that that loss or if that was the market cap that went down axe capital axe capital yeah, went down finally right exactly so he, it lost a lot of people a lot of money yeah and it uh, the price dropped for netflix 35 percent on wednesday it's continued to fall uh last time i checked it was down around 40 percent total not only did Netflix plummet, but it brought down pretty much the entire streaming industry stock with it. Wow. Uh, Deadline reported that Disney went down, Paramount went down, WB went down, Roku stocks all went down. Uh, they are still falling, most of those, but none to the extent that Netflix has. Right. And the fallout, which I think was the most interesting discussion on Matt Bellany's The Town up at the Ringer Podcast Network there, was that Netflix is moving towards a consumer choice to add advertising within a year or two, basically to get a lot of international subscribers and also to kind of get some subscribers after they do a humongous crackdown on password sharing that they've been hitting at for a while, Mike. Be careful, Netflix. I don't like this. But they've been against all these maneuvers for the longest time. Not not only against them, but they've been 
actively campaigning the opposite of them forever. I mean, they yeah. ran forever on, we don't have advertisements, we don't have commercials, we're streaming only, we're going to give you everything you want all at once to binge. Uh, they had this tweet from 2017 that went viral over Easter weekend where Netflix's uh, official account said, uh, love is sharing a password. That's just from 2017. And if you're not down with the day-to-day financial movements wow. of Netflix, this is going to read as very hypocritical. This entire thing might read as hypocritical and desperate. If Netflix's big moves right now to respond to this loss are, well, we have to crack down on password sharing and we need to change the way we give you our content. So what does a consumer choice mean in terms of potential advertisements within your shows? If you're going to give me, I don't even know what Netflix's current price is right now. And that's kind of the beauty of their business model is it's on my credit card and they charge it and I don't really pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only one who does that. But (laughs) if they're going to give me the regular price for Netflix and then they're going to keep a advertising free price for a higher price than what they're offering it for now, if that's going to be the loan change in these supposed tiers that they're going to offer to consumers is to keep the regular price, keep the current price now, but you have to deal with commercials, or you can pay a higher price to keep the exact same thing that you already have at the lower price right now, that's not going to go over well, I don't think. There's an argument to be made that they want to bring more people into the tent because greed. I mean, that's the thing. Like, You have to keep growing. It's it's grow or die at this point. Like, What's wrong with just having 250 million subscribers and getting there eventually and being cool with that? Why do they have to go for 1 billion subscribers worldwide? Because they're trying to conquer TV at this point. But look at I mean, if you change, they only got a few p- pillars of their business, Mike. If you change those pillars, like yes, you're on demand. Yes, yeah. you're bingeable. Right? They have the binge model. Yes, your ad free, and yes, your wholesale entertainment in terms of the library, the quantity of film series and specials. They're the freaking Walmart of entertainment, right? Right. So you could t- if you take away the binge model like they're talking about, and they're moving towards Ozark and Stranger Things are coming out like in half seasons now. They're staggered, to, yeah, staggered, seasons, yeah. And it, that's becoming more the norm, too, on streaming in general. Like, Hulu releases every every new series they have, they release on a weekly basis now. Right. But if the future of television is still television, what right. are we doing? Right. Where's the big innovation coming? And this is this screams to a lack of innovation on Netflix. I mean, if this is Netflix's response. And look, I, I, I give them all week leading up to their big Q1 summit here. All week there were rumblings I was reading on, on some financial sites where it was like, you know, Netflix isn't gonna, isn't happy with our numbers. It's going to be a bad report. It's going to be a bad report. So I think this is kind of a big shock. And you've seen quotes in the press where they've been like, this is, I forget the exact poll quote that it was, but it's like, this is either shocking or this is like a slap in the face or this is a wake-up call, except, you know, some of those rhetorical things. I, I'm giving, willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because they have been such an innovative company right. that they're just really staggered by this punch and they don't really know what they're doing yet how to respond to it and i really hope the main responses out of netflix aren't commercials yeah exactly commercials (laughs) and and password crackdown change who we are in our essence immediately (laughs) right like that that's like mrs fields cookies is going to go into roast beef sandwiches now you know what i mean like what are they like because again you know if it comes down to it if it boils down to it like bill and he said if you take away what makes you you, right. it's just going to be library versus library, and then you know, then the field probably comes back, right? Or Netflix probably comes back to the field, which is exactly what they do not want. Because if you pro look at, 
I'm going to, I have a little rant prepared in a way because I think uh, the HBO Max subscriber. Well, go into it. No, I mean, here's the bright line news, and that was good news for HBO Max is that HBO Max gained 3 million subscribers in their first quarter. So, I mean, while streaming seemed to take a hit across the board, HBO Max has a reason to kind of celebrate. Uh, Streaming overall has a reason to kind of celebrate because Nielsen cited that streaming hit an all-time usage high as it occupied nearly 30% of total TV time domestically. Broadcast TV time dropped below 25%. So streaming's on the up. HBO Max is adding subscribers. It's not all bleak in terms of the streaming industry, but... But I don't look at this 80, you know, this 3 million as something that you can hang your hat on. I look at it more as like water weight for HBO Max. And therefore... When you take HBO Max and the amount of money they're putting in, the amount of money Disney's putting in, and compare it to Netflix, and and yes, HBO Max is a third the size of Netflix, and Disney's a half the size of Netflix and Amazon, etc. And who knows what Amazon is actually ma- making and whatever, but they're concerned with going to Mars anyway. Right. I'll I'll just speak for myself though. If I'm choosing between services right now, and I've been hard on Netflix in the past, but here I'm sticking by them right at this moment. I'm sticking with Netflix because I watch so much more Netflix and I have the numbers to prove it my, for my own world, to prove it to myself. I literally have shows 35 to 20 in regards of series since the pandemic started. And never mind movies, it's like 87 to 39. I have exact figures on how much Netflix of what you've watched on Netflix versus HBO Max. Gotcha. And I, I'm a big fan of HBO Max. And don't get me wrong. I do think the hit rate in terms of percentages probably skews more towards the Apples and the HBO Max. But that's like comparing, uh, you know, A24 to Disney. Right. Like, what are we doing right now? Like that. I disagreed with the whole, you know, Bellany podcast episode because we're coming off a coda beaten power of the dog. Fun. Well, yeah, Netflix is, has always been a shotgun, whereas HBO Max is more of a laser beam. Right. They're very brand-oriented uh, at Apple in particular, and HBO Max is becoming that way too. I do think that the demo that HBO Max has gone after has been like that Peacemaker demo, that edgy hacks demo, right? I mean, the, well, he, that's the been euphoria. HBO's. That's, that's how HBO revolutionized cable too. I mean, that's hmm. what they've – that's always been their bread and butter. So – the fact that we are now taking some big swings over at HBO Max with Batgirl, I mean, the movies that they've, like, this is the problem, ultimately, Mike. How they built their service was with broad entertainment from Wonder Woman through Dune, through some big awards stuff, their, their WB theatrical slate, broad entertainment. That's how they built uh, their... You know, that's how they got their HBO subscribers to transfer from cable to a streaming service, their 30-ish million, and then grew another 45 million on top of it with broad entertainment. Now you're telling me they're going to keep all those people with some relatively edgy HBO, you know, uh, shows and then try to keep those people with the promise of a few original movies like The Father of the Brides like the second run stuff, like the Batgirls. Like they, to me, there's even more questions for HBO to keep that number than there is for something like Netflix, which just hits you from every angle with content every week. Like that's why I don't get right now. I think you make a lot of good points. A question that's been nagging at me though within that is that 
okay, all these Netflix wants to have this shotgun approach and cover every genre for every type of viewer and all, and all that, which is fine. But are they lacking a, like a premier property right now? Like, what is the thing drawing new subscribers to Netflix currently? I do think Stranger Things has that draw. It's still Stranger I think Things, that think. is. It's still Stranger Things. However, I do think they're making major plays towards the ultimate broad appealing draw. They got huge tent poles like the Gray Man, like uh, Knives Out Two. But that's all that stuff that's not down out the yet. Pike movie side. But they got. But they've also had these humongous hits from Tiger King, Squid Game to Bridgerton. That have gotten, you know, I mean, that have been setting new records for Netflix in terms of viewership. So I think those broad appealing series and TV shows are hitting the zeitgeist. They're very happy with that, with those hits. Right. The question becomes, like, what is the hit rate? I don't know if that's such a huge problem for them because they do have people. Like, again, with my quantity of Netflix bingeable stuff. It works for me. Like, I'm watching double the Netflix that I am any other streaming service. And HBO Max is second for me uh, during the pandemic. But it's a literally double. See, that's, uh, that's, terms that is movies. fast. I mean, that's great. I have not watched much Netflix at all during the pandemic. I mean, I can be honest with that. I've watched way more HBO Max, way more Dropout, way more Hulu. I'm going to other streaming services, and I've actually noticed that. And every time I start up Netflix to look for something, I end up going towards something else anyway. Yeah, but you're also kind of more of a niche. You're not kind of. You're more of a niche viewer. Sure. Like That's you like you do not like broad That's scale. You, like what's the last Disney Plus show you watched? What is Disney Plus? Right. Yeah. So exactly. I, no, how you're many, right. You're right. I mean, you watch Ted Lasso. You do. You refuse. You you go up against mm-hmm. that. So. Like I'm more of the pop music fan. You're the you're the, the emo. Right. Kid. I'm your brother. Yeah. You got to listen to this <laughs> band that made this single in a garage in, in the seventies. Yeah. Right. But that's that's a, a, a pivot that's worth talking about. What is the niche audience grown to become? Or the you know what is that niche demo? How how, how will that niche demo hold up HBO Max's subscriber numbers if and when? The broad scaling appeal stuff goes down. They have to, you know, hit on House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones. Well, show. that's that that's what I was going to say next is that these streaming services all seem to be go- floating towards niche stuff. Like Hulu is taking ripped from the headline stuff and making shows out of them. They have the one coming out with Jessica Biel. They just released Girl from Plainville, which I've been watching, which isn't bad. They uh, the Pam and Tommy series is on Hulu. Like they're taking stuff from the headlines. HBO is. The more premier HBO stuff is DC oriented right now. I mean, they have the Batgirl movie. I don't know if that's movie or simple Blue Beetle. All those greenlit properties. Obviously, Peacemaker's a big part. Down of that. the line, yeah, yeah. That's what is the thing? Like, what's Netflix's niche right now? Well, Netflix has all the niches. They don't have covered, one. They have everything. Yeah, but they have ev- all the niches covered. Like, if you're a, a horror fan, then you had the uh, the Fear Street. You know, if the music analogy dozen, is a really good one, I think. So Netflix is top four. Netflix is Casey Kasem. Right. But if you wanted brand new cherry flavor, archive 81, if you wanted the niche horror series, right. you could go to Netflix. Like I've been watching those shows. If you want the, the raucous comedy, then big mouth to dairy girls, right. to sex ed, 
You know, if you wanted the mini series, the prestige mini series, unbelievable Queens Gambit, you know, that those stack up and double kind of the mayor of East towns for HBO max or the, you know, the severances that, that are on Apple. Mm-hmm. I mean, all this stuff is good and they, and they need to, to have better batting averages over at the smaller, that, that's how you grow it. You're, you're wise and you're selective, uh, in terms of your batting average, and you don't waste a lot of money necessarily, even if you do have the big conglomerates behind you, uh, or used to in the case of uh, HBO Max. So that's the thing, Mike. We have we have a lot more uncertainty that we've predicted. Look, we've predicted this. This is validating a lot of our yeah, theories over the last two years. Gosh darn it! And I hate to say I told you so, and people probably get mad at us because we get I love it. That's all I look uh, wake up in the morning to say is I told you so. So. For- for two it. years, though, I've talked about the streaming bubble that will burst after the pandemic, yep. right? We, we talked about it. It was going to happen. It was the gold mage, right? I mean, everyone was confined to their homes. They had to load up on all the streaming services, sure. And I, I don't think we went out on a limb in right. that regard, but the streaming wars would be delayed until people had to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I'm looking at if I'm aware of how much money I'm spending per month on all the streaming services. No, I, that's that's not something I'm like, interested in talking about right now. If I tallied that up, <laughs> I am going to drop three or four streaming services on top there's of no movies, question. on top of festivals. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I did that a couple years ago before the pandemic started and I dropped one or two. And you then can talk I to me of... about my grocery bill before you talk to me about how many streaming <laughs> services. You know, I'm no, no, thanks. Right. So people are going to start to do that because we know there's going to be an economic attrition yes, after this is. pandemic right. eventually. We know that. It's coming. There's a bu- there's bubbles. And this might up, be the start of it. Too. I mean, and things are going to get worse before they get better, too, for Netflix. Don't forget. I mean, they've already said, look, we lost 200,000 subscribers in Q1. This is the first time in a decade we've lost subscribers. But in Q2 alone, we're going to lose another two million. Right. I mean, so that's the projections in house. Oh, they're going to lose another two million. Oh, that, that's right. We, I read that, but yep. I think uh, I think they're at a crossroads here, right? Where they're saying to themselves, "Hey, you know what? At this point, I will take my library and stack it up against anybody else." And they got confidence in that. And I think they they got people telling them, "Well, if the future of TV is still TV, especially internationally, where people are willing to watch ads." especially for general things like Coca-Cola or whatever, then, hey, TV's worked for 100 years. Why why don't we go, or whatever, 75 years, 70 years. I can't do math. But, Mike, World. I'm sure they got those things going on in their head, and then, like you said, to bring this full circle, maybe the whole thing is just to mollify the, the stock drop, the plummet. Well, just I stop give, to put your finger in the day. I give Netflix credit in this, too, is that they were very honest and forthright with everything they said about this stock drop. I mean, they came out and said, this sucks. We got hit in the mouth. Uh, Things are going to get worse before they get better. And we're probably not adding substantial subscribers until 2024 at the earliest. This is all stuff Netflix said in response to the stock drop. So, like, that to me suggests that, okay, yeah, things suck right now. And we know this is a downturn, but we're not going anywhere. Like, we have enough resources and we have the funds coming in and we're still still solvent. Like, we're fine. We're going to be around for for the next few however many years. And we're going to fix this and we're going to get better. And I think it's gonna it's gonna be obvious to them that they should basically take this huge swath of new entertainment and spread it out and basically cut some future project projects and cut. If a you were the spending. agent for each of those Stranger Things kids, are you not raising hell right now and demanding a new contract? I well, mean, if I'm could... Millie Bobby Brown's agent, yeah. Mike, 
the first Bridget call I'm making thing. is Ted Sarandos' direct line and being like, I don't think she's interested in doing this anymore. You have your haves and have nots in terms of what makes them uh, or what keeps people there on the subscriber service, like Extraction 2 and Bridgerton. All that stuff's going to stay, and, and Ryan Johnson's Knives Out too. And my guess is that's what's drawn people. Like, you come for that, and then you stay for all the other stuff. Yeah, but if you are a moneymaker for Netflix, if you are those kids, I mean, this is your payday, right? right. They need to keep you. But here's what's been so cool about Netflix from the jump, Mike. They have been the greatest, literally the greatest patron of the arts yes. of the la- since we started our podcast. Yes. And all of the other stuff that I've just been referencing, they've been pushing so much money and so many resources into building so many careers throughout the industry, especially the indie film boom uh, of late. Like they've been literally carrying that industry. To a huge extent. And I fear, so, I wonder if that's going to take a hit in response to them putting more money out there into more mainstream is. established stuff, which would suck it because is. that's going to be less another home for any kind of passion project or auteur driven cinema that's going to be hurt and damaged and taken away. Right. It totally is. So the bu- eventually the shake out of this is that they're going to push Netflix stuff out and they're going to stop assigning as much. Now, is it going to be blatant probably not but that i mean if i mean if you're running their business wouldn't wouldn't that be exactly what you do no the first a lot of this stuff i'll tell you what my first phone calls right now are to the stranger things kids to make sure they're in-house and then i'm calling denzel the rock kevin hart uh who else give give me give me give me some a-list names julia roberts yeah yeah, yeah. i'm putting forth the greatest ensemble oscar grab picture in the history of cinema well, that's why it, w- this was destined to happen. Happen. Netflix was destined to function more like a normal studio. Th- we've been saying that for years, too, than they had. It was too good to be true that they were all the studios put together for so long. They're going to they're gonna eventually get more selective, and that's what I'm saying right now. I'm trying to, It's taken me a while to get to the point, but they're going to push a lot of the indie stuff and spread that around, and they're going to they're gonna focus on more of the tentpole stuff and and be surgical with that kind of how hbo max has been very clever with how they've juggled their strategy up till now because i don't think they give a shit you know what consumers know of in terms of the labels right these the hbo max originals there's the hbo original programming and there's the wb you know hbo there's the wb retreads and there's the hbo max original films right all those labels that are now going to get you know discovery plus stuff added to it whatever mike they understand that now that we've all switched over from hbo cable to hbo max and we're on the streaming service they it, it who it doesn't need to be differentiated it's just whatever i'm watching on that streaming service it's all hbo max now i've been sitting here thinking about what studio netflix can go after and just acquire as part of this as a response to this and the, i think the easy one would have been prior to paramount plus coming out and doing what they did because they had such a great working relationship with paramount anyway obviously if netflix wasn't going to purchase paramount that would have been a multi-billion dollar acquisition that would have been along the lines along the lines of what amazon just did with mgm if it were to happen but paramount obviously just rolling out paramount plus i think is going to put a kibosh into that anyway but i mean there is a chance that netflix goes out and does something radical like that right absolutely and that might be wiser than changing their business model because they can just say hey we got lionsgate now and we got all this ip that we know people will come to see. 
You know, that, that that they've been against that because they've been trying to generate their own IP, which is, again, it's just been like this super noble thing that we, we love because it's all original programming in a way, right? Or they're, you know, if they spend big money on adaptations, it's cool shit. Like, again, I can't really begrudge Netflix all that much. I really can't. I, I love the way they built this thing. And I, I'm I'm fearful now that they're gonna go more towards what every other huge conglomerate run, stu- you know, movie studio has done these past thirty years. And I I would hope that they can still, you know, I would hope that they can still function similarly that they, they, they as they have. Yeah, two hundred and twenty million subscribers is a lot, but I also don't think this is a sign of. You know, I don't think Ted Sarandos is sitting in his office pouring himself a glass of whiskey listening to End of the Road by Boys to Men. Like, I don't think this is the end time. I think there's still Netflix plans on growing still after this. Yeah, I mean, what the worst thing that could happen is that they come back to the field and then it's streaming wars, right? That's the worst thing at this point. For that Netflix, yeah, that might be the best thing for the consumer. Right, but that's going to happen. They, they should know that that was inevitable regardless because everybody jumped into the same game and had success at it right mm. so that's the thing like they they they're trying to innovate beyond this and they were going to go video games and they were going to go you well know, that's still i mean that's still on the table video they're still purchasing smaller uh, gaming companies they, they made sure to highlight that as well so that's that's coming i think but now they're they're probably wondering if you know apple and amazon are eating into live tv stuff that's that might be another way in which netflix can kind of grow the pie with the live tv stuff again you know we've 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 said it from the beginning like netflix should do the oscars they should just buy it from disney and do the oscars. yeah they should other live yeah. event stuff yeah that's a good point that's, uh, that'd be best for the oscars you want, <laughs> darn it i think you know you and i running the oscars might be best for the anything might be best for the oscars other than status quo but that's a different conversation that we have every other episode um yeah. Going to be interesting. I, I am fascinated. I wonder, you know, are they going to slow play this? Is it going to be they're going to wait it out for a year and see what happens, and they're just going to see if the numbers rebound on their own? We went through the slate of what's coming out this year with Netflix with Andrew Morgan from the Nomcast yeah. a couple episodes ago. We didn't see any of the, like, premier Oscar-grabby stuff on the schedule. The Gray Man's on there, which is their big blockbuster attempt. That's going to get some subs in, you would think, for Q3 at least. So, But here's the thing, Mike. We also did, like, 40 minutes on right. 20 different movies that could each... You can make an argument each one of them could pop because former Oscar winners are in some really cool projects, and all of that is coming. Yeah, it's a good point. So... Right. something to keep an eye on certainly i don't think it's the end times for netflix as much as you know those headlines like to tell you about how much of the billions and billions of dollars were lost and what happened on the stock market with it but just something to, to be aware of and keep an eye on. we will keep commenting on it we can uh transition though from netflix to talking about the film festivals and we'll talk about some spring film festival lineups we'll start with new directors new films it's just started in lincoln center in new york city and it's going to go until may 1st included our previous festival winners from the past calendar year, such as Happening from Venice and from Sundance, Fire of Love and Nanny. A couple other buzzy titles at New Directors New Films include the historical doc Riotsville, USA, South Korea's The Apartment with Two Women. And for the closing night film, we have American Satire from Martine Sims, The African Desperate. Yeah, I'm excited to go to New Directors New Films this year. I'm going to be there all day tomorrow, Saturday, probably when you're or today, uh, when you're listening to this. Uh, I'm going to see ten. 
yeah, I'm going to see Anoda, 10,000 Nights in the Jungle. Uh, then I'm going to go to PJ Clark's for a few hours at Lincoln Square, yep. of course. And then I'm going to go to Eskilvot's uh, The Innocence from uh. Norway, which I'm really excited to see because that trailer looked really cool. Mike, what would you think of the trailer? This is from the writer of Thelma and Worst Person in the World. Yeah, it's it, it's something I'm very, very much anticipating ever since I read the, the original premise and the trailer didn't let me down at all. But basically... What if the first X-Men were school-aged children, and how do you balance those powers between accidents happening and kids not knowing how to not be mean or vengeful towards one another? It's such a fine line and such a bizarrely out there and unique premise. I am fascinated by it. I thought the trailer hit that tone beautifully. The special effects in the trailer are awesome. I, I wonder how he did them. I hope he's there to talk us through mm. it because he, he's he got like all these wind effects or it's a green screen. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, it's all around these very young children, like these 10-year-old kids. And you got these crazy special effects with the violent special effects that are happening fast. And you wonder, you know, are these kids... <laughs> Are they are they evil because they're they're creating these right. horribly violent effects and maybe it, maybe all kids are monsters especially <laughs> especially Norwegian kids which well, I want to yeah, get right. I want to nail that part down I want to be very clear about this especially Norwegian <laughs> right. no I, I've always said it no I'm kidding no the blonde hair does add to an aura of creepiness and I blame <laughs> Stephen King and Christopher Reeves for uh, Children of the Damned whatever that early '90s horror film was that uh, you can blame Children of the Corn too in there but yeah no they're creepy. Absolutely. But that'll be coming out mid-May, and I'm really excited to see that tomorrow, The Innocence. That's if I get out of P.J. Clark's. Right. I, it may happen. It may not. I have to be rolled out of there. So what are you looking forward to? What are you going to order? What's on your mind? I know exactly what I'm ordering. I'm okay. ordering a burger, right. and I'm ordering a mac and cheese, and I'm getting a Guinness, <laughs> and it's simple. I'm not even going to mess around. Uh, that's what I'm getting. That's the best thing. They Oh, it's so good. I can't wait. Uh, but look, new directors, new films, Mike, they've had uh, Oscar nominees, especially from documentary side, Faya Dai, The Mole Agent, Collective, Honeyland, Hale County, This Morning, This Evening, uh, Strong Island. They've been playing there since we started the pod, but they've also had a lot of cool-ass new movies like Lady Macbeth with Florence Pugh, The Guilty, the Danish original, not the Hall movie, which you love, though, but all right. Uh, Clemency, (laughs) Alfre Woodard, to each their own. Baby Teeth, which we both loved with uh, Eliza Scanlon. Uh, But so, yeah, I mean, I'll see you guys at uh, PJ Clark's the next few weekends. (laughs) (laughs) Is PJ Clark's a steakhouse or is it just a pub? It's like this old New York pub. It's at the bottom of all these hotels, and it's right across the street from where I'm watching these movies, man. So I wish I knew about it so long ago. I went to school there, gosh darn yeah. it, and I never went to P.J. Clark's. Well, there you go. First I, time for everything. At least you're, it's, it's never too late to learn about a new favorite restaurant, I think, Mike, is the lesson we're all learning from this episode today. I agree. We could stay in New York and talk about Tribeca. They announced the big slate for their film festival lineup. That's going to premiere June 8th through the 19th. Uh, 109 feature films from 40 countries and 88 world premieres. The features span 10 categories with 32 directors returning and 50 first-time Helmers there. More than 64% features are directed by female uh, people of color and LGBTQ plus filmmakers. That's a great ratio to see. 
Yeah, thank God. Uh, some some of these film festivals are still doing that. Some are not, mm-hmm. however. But all right, we'll we'll talk about some some cool ass movies from Tribeca that stood out to me. Uh, but there's there's a lot of great discoveries. So this is like name people. But I love Tribeca last year because I discovered so many cool ass films from all these new talents. But let's let's start off with Lena Waithe. She is the uh, screenwriter. She got the huge Amazon deal, by the way, and she's still doing great stuff for Netflix. Lena Waithe of Master of None, and she has beautiful about a gifted young black woman who struggles to maintain her voice and identity after she's offered a lucrative recording contract. That's something that I don't think you and I are going to have to worry about anytime soon, but it's cool <laughs> to see that one uh, get on but film there. It's, you know, something that just happened to her, so, right. you know, again, yeah. write what you know. Very cool. Corner Office, starring John Hamm, Orson, a compulsive bureaucrat who discovers a secret room his co-workers deny exists. Um, that seems more <laughs> up my alley there. Something I can relate to, me insisting that something's real that everyone else tells me I'm crazy about. Yeah, that's been... uh, I just started Mad Men. Well, no, I didn't just start it. For the fifth time, I'm trying to start Mad Men, by the way. All right, so again, so everything John Hamm does is going to be... I watch it in a suit, and I drink whiskey, and I don't even like whiskey, and times were simpler. (laughs) Alone Together. (laughs) Alone Together is going to star the writer-director Katie Holmes. There you go. Uh, Everybody knows Katie Holmes, the dark... Uh, no, the Batman Begins. That's right. And then Rachel. Uh, recast. Yeah. <laughs> it's Rachel. And of course, Dawson's, Scree- uh, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Scream would be a great crossover movie. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're ready for that one. That's that's an easy one, Paramount. Uh, just, <laughs> just buy the rights. Vanderbeek <laughs> slashing everybody. Alone Together is about two strangers embroiled in bad relationships. They wind up in the same upstate New York Airbnb. It also stars Derek Luke, Jim Sturgis, Melissa Leo, and Luke Kirby of Maisel. A lot of big names there. A lot of big names in this lineup. Somewhere in Queens is going to be the directorial debut of Ray Romano. Leo and Angela Russo live a simple life in Queens, surrounded by their overbearing Italian-American family, because... Again, write what you know if you're Ray Romano. When their son sticks, finds success on his high school basketball team, Leo tears the family apart trying to make it happen. So about an Italian dad who gets way too into his son's yeah. success in high school sports. Go figure. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're talking Nobody about Nobody can either, relate but, to that, yeah. <laughs> uh, somewhere in Queens also stars Laurie Metcalf and Romano himself. Then we have Aisha which stars Letitia Wright of Black Panther and Small Axe, along with Josh O'Connor of The Crown. Aisha's plot premise reads, While caught for years in Ireland's immigration system, Aisha Osagi develops a close relationship with former prisoner Connor Healy. This friendship soon looks to be short-lived as Aisha's future in Ireland comes under threat. Interesting. I like that premise too. So, and I also like the name Connor Healy. That's a very Irish-sounding name for a character. I I, I appreciate that making it and, simple for and, dummies. And like I can me. appreciate two-sentence plot premises. I yeah. like when they just go two sentences. They and commit. Me too. And we have a couple that are paragraphs long and. I'm not a fan of it. American Dreamer. This is not one of those, though. American <laughs> Dreamer stars Peter Dinklage. Phil's a dreamer. Most dreams don't come true. Phil hates that. But that's not going to stop Phil from dreaming. There you go. Danny Glover's in this. Shirley MacLaine as well. And Matt Dillon. This could be anything sure from I Heart Huckabee, Huckabee's <laughs> to the you know Michelle Gondry films to 
who knows what American Dreamer, but Peter Dinklage, big names headed to this festival. Uh, Space Odyssey is written and directed by Kira Sedgwick. Will star Kyle Allen, Alexandra Ship of Tick Tick Boom. She was awesome in that, mm-hmm. and MMO favorite from last year, Simon Hedberg yeah. of Annette. Space Odyssey, uh, Oddity. Excuse me. Space Oddity is about a man who seeks the help from an insurance company to plan a one-way trip to Mars. Because if you're going to go to Mars, the right way to get there is through the insurance company. I'm sure that's the future we're looking at in this country. I mean, didn't they see Matt Damon's best movie of the '90s? I'm, ta- I'm talking to the characters in the film, Space Oddity. Uh, didn't you see his other good movie, The Martian? Yeah. And anyway, well, no, maybe they I, grow I plants. Maybe they like the you know they want to be self-sufficient out there. Why am I giving Matt Damon shit? Am I trying to become Kimmel? Yeah, you're just going purely in the Jimmy Kimmel lane with that. That's right. (laughs) Jerry and Marge go large. (laughs) Annette Bening, Brian Cranston, Jack McKean, Rain Wilson, and Larry Wilmore in this. It's based on a true story about a couple, Jerry and Marge Selby, who won a lottery and used the money to revive their small town. A great title, Jerry and Marge go large. A great title for a wholesome story with a terrific boomer cast, boomers that we love. Mm-hmm. Like this, all our parents are going to watch this movie, Jerry and Marge Go Large. So am I. Yeah, absolutely. Boomers and people who watch TV like a boomer. That's That <laughs> encompasses me there. Otherwise, uh, we've already previewed these Tribeca selections on MMO because they're from Sundance, etc. Good luck to you, Leo Grand, starring Emma Thompson. A lot of sex. Cha-Cha Real Smooth, starring Dakota Johnson and Cooper Rafe. A lot of uh, DJ, bar mitzvah DJ jokes in that. Where it leads to sex. he is one. Yep. Uh, the Forgiven, starring Jessica Chastain and Ralph Fiennes. We can hope there's uh, sex. <laughs> John Michael McDonough, brother of... Uh, the other McDonough. Why am I forgetting his first Martin. name? Mark. No. Martin Not McDonough. Mark McDonough. Martin. McDonough. Martin. Yeah. Martin. That's okay, what I said. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't uh, enunciate I thought, you, I thought you said Mark. Mark uh, McDonough. Sounds like a backup there, center Mark. from the 90s. I totally lost uh, Totally lost my impression of uh, the Hey There Mark guy. Who was he? Who was he? Who Tommy first- Wiseau. You are batting a thousand with forgetting names this episode, sir. I am awful right now. <laughs> I'm just so caffeinated, too, which is just no excuse. Official competition is also going to Tribeca from... I feel like we've been previewing this movie for two years. It Penelope Cruz. Been. Yeah, right? Antonio have, Banderas. Haven't we talked about this a billion times? We have. Yeah, right. uh, otherwise, Mike, we got documentaries about Yogi Berra, David Lynch having obsession with The Wizard of Oz. We got a Richard Williams story, King Richard, Richard Williams, father of Venus and Serena. And we have a Rudy Giuliani Docu musical called Rudy, a docu musical. Why? <laughs> anyway, opening, closing night films. Like Tribeca's awesome at documentaries, and I'm glad they're featuring them this year. They got a Jennifer Lopez Netflix documentary called Halftime and an Al Sharpton closing night documentary called Loudmouth. Let's catch up on the Cannes Film Festival. Talk about Cannes now. Uh, this is the festival we alluded to with uh, might be some. Diversity issues as far as directorial entries into this festival lineup. (laughs) We'll get there. But uh, in competition, a bunch of films that we've kind of done some light previews with throughout the... uh, throughout the year and preview series, but we got some updates with trailers or, or premises and three films that in competition this year that are form 
former Palm Dior winners, Michael. The first is broker uh, Hirokazu Kurita of Shoplifters there. This is starring Parasite's Song Kang-ho. And we got a new trailer for Broker, which might be the saddest thing ever because the premise of this movie, Mike, is about baby boxes, which allow infants to be dropped off anonymously and be cared for by others. Is this a real thing? That's like this horrifying. Is this the saddest premise ever to, to for an upbeat trailer? So I like missed this... the link of the trailer that you put in there. Is the trailer equally as sad? No, the trailer's happy. Uh. Like it's the Song Kang Ho bonding with a a young kid who's who's he's like taking care of. I'm guessing, which was what Shoplifters was about. Like these neighbors who essentially adopted a street kid and took great care of him. So maybe it's it, maybe it's a story about kids who wouldn't have a life otherwise, and that's why they get dropped off by these. Basically, it sounds like storks. Just these it's boxes horrible. left on these. Uh, so it's just boxes of babies left on like doorsteps. I don't know, but it seems like to be a service. <laughs> I want answers. <laughs> I want answers too. For from Mister Carita. Anyway, Broker is going to have them. We have RMN from Christian Munju, uh, Palm Dior winner of four months, three weeks, two days. This is a uh, plot premise reads a reflection on the history of Romania through the meeting of its Romanian, Hungarian, and Moldavian communities. Heavy, but he can handle heavy. Sounds that way. Uh, Triangle of Sadness is something we've previewed a couple times already. We have a an updated premise as well. Uh, Ruben Ostland, who did The Square, he's a former Palm D.R. winner. This is his movie. The dark comedy centers on a fashion model celebrity couple, Harris Dickinson and Charlie Dean, play those roles, who are invited on a luxury cruise for the super rich. The yacht, whose captain is a rabid Marxist, played by Woody Harrelson, so now we know where he fits in here, sinks leaving the duo stranded on a desert island with a group of billionaire jet-setters and a cleaning lady with the ensuing fight for survival turning the pre-existing hierarchy upside down and changing the, the dynamics of the group. The cleaning lady rises to the top of the food chain, and she is the only one who knows how to cook. This sounds hysterical. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, his Ruben Oslin's, all of his movies, they come, they come out and they look really sad, and then they're kind of funny in a really effed up way, and I love it. Yeah, it seems so, to fit that motif very well. He's great at the dramedies, and yeah, the billionaire is becoming subservient to a Marxist captain and a chef, <laughs> a hippy-dippy Woody Earl. Anyway, this is perfect. Uh, they, I love it that it's also based around food and that the food... Uh, provider dictates the day yeah love it in the land of the blind the man with one eye and king in the land of the hungry billionaires the person who knows how to cook is queen i guess that's right armageddon time it's a drama about growing up in queens in the 1980s we've previewed this previously this is from dreams james gray of ad astra Anne hathaway anthony hopkins jeremy strong of succession are in this one we also Mm -hmm. have decision to leave which is the park chan wook movie we have an updated premise for that a detective falls for a mysterious widow after she becomes the prime suspect in his latest murder investigation He discovers an underground fighting ring consisting of large, furry animals. What? He discovers that this is linked to his murder investigation, and he dives into an underground world of ghosts and shape-shifting humans. I will remind all of you, I picked this to be the Best Picture nominee uh, each of the last two years, I think. However, if somebody (laughs) is going to win Best Picture... For werewolves in an f- underground fighting ring <laughs> after a detective falls for a mysterious widow who uh-huh. becomes a prime suspect in a murder right. investigation. If somebody can, <laughs> it could be Park Chan-wook's decision to leave after Stoker and all his cool ass I'll films. tell you this. That premise did nothing to turn me off wanting to see it. <laughs> I want to see it even more. <laughs> 
We talked about Holy Spider, which is directed by another batshit awesome mm-hmm. uh, film director, Ali Abbasi of Border. This is about an Iranian serial killer. Check out that premise. My God. Now, we have Crimes of the Future from David Cronenberg. Please, let's review this trailer here or <laughs> very quickly without saying any yucky words. But Crimes of the Future stars Leia Seydoux, Viggo Mortensen, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. This is Cronenbergian weird tech. And Jesus, I want to vomit whenever I watch this trailer, Michael. It's, I mean, it's just a little body horror. <laughs> it's just a little. No, the implications <laughs> of the fact that pe- there are walkouts from the first screening. And then there's there's Viggo Morton says, we're going to have to go deep. And all it is is just. <laughs> yuck. Kristen Stewart looks like she's going to pluck her own eye out. Like things going into a torso. No. And it was only a teaser trailer, too. It's only like 50 seconds. So that's. That's all we got, but the uh, the premise as it reads on the trailer's YouTube page, as no. the human species adapts to a synthetic environment, the body undergoes new transformations and mutations. This all checks out. With his partner Caprice, played by Leah Seydoux, Saul Tenser, which is Vigo's character, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. Ugh. Tim Lynn, played by Kristen Stewart, an investigator from the National Organ Registry, real, obsessively tracks their movements. Which is when a mysterious group is revealed. Their mission? To use Saul's notoriety to shed light on the next phase of human evolution. Makes sense to me. I'm going to throw up all over your lap (laughs) if you make me see this movie. You have to come with me. I'm going to be Will Ferrell and semi-pro chasing you around like Woody Harrelson after I get punched into jejunum. That's what this movie's going to be. Michael... <laughs> this, the Crimes of the Future looks disgusting. It's coming out in June. It wasn't I'm even gonna... that bad of a trailer. Stop it. It's not that bad yet. The, it's the it's the implications. <laughs> the implications. I do not want to see it. Yeah. Yucky. Okay. Can. Yucky. And I don't trust that can selected it. And they're all right. like, Ooh. Well, that should be a red flag. I agree. <laughs> the French scare me. All right. Claire Denis. Uh, she has the stars at noon. This is not the negatively reviewed kind of other movie that she had out, I don't think. Anyway, in 1984 is Nicaragua, a mysterious English businessman, and a headstrong American journalist strike up a romance as they soon become embroiled in a dangerous labyrinth of lies and conspiracies and are forced to try and escape the country. This is Margaret Qualley, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Made, and this is Joe Alwyn of The Favorite, Michael. I don't know if the premises are getting better copy or if there's just no period pieces so far, but I'm, I'm intrigued more so by a lot of these premises <laughs> the stars than I usually am. Yeah, showing up is from Kelly Reichert of First Cow and Certain Women, and I hear that this is a comedy from Kelly Reichert. Now, First Cow had there's no such thing. Are you kidding me? Like, look, (laughs) First Cow had a few like mild smirks, but this is scaring me. This is almost like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson doing another comedy, scaring me because because look, showing up is about a sculptor ba- who balances her creative life with the daily dramas of family and friends. Michelle Williams, Hong yeah, Chow led by that laugh a minute uh, Chuckster hilarious. Michelle Williams. <laughs> Michelle Williams always funny. Hong Chow never played right uh, outside of uh, uh, basically a sketch comedy herself. <laughs> She was like the uh, she gave an Oscar level performance in that other uh, darn it Alexander Payne downsizing yeah. yeah but that was the least funny performance in a, what was a movie trying to be funny I we have to see it I think 
I think we have to see this now. We're daring Kelly Riker right. to make us laugh, which I don't know if, it's, if that's a good way to go into the movie. But Well, something Whoa. else that has to be done is Can needs to get better diversity amongst the films let into competition for itself. Yeah, prior to yesterday's announcements of, or two days ago, if you're listening to this on Saturday, prior to those three films added, making it 21, there were only three of 18, and everybody was dismayed that they did not fulfill their promise of increasing female Direct, uh, directed films and the number of those in their slate. Now, they did add two of the three new films uh, are directed by females or at least co-directed and now they could say it's five out of 21, but everybody's praising this like they're 23% and oh my god a French film festival of this renowned 23% female directed films, yay! Well, it's, not 20, it's not even 23% because it was 23% after they added three more films. And right. 66% of those were held by women. <laughs> like, it's not... Come on. Like, the director's Fortnite section did better, 11 of 23, uh, including One Fine Morgan, a Morning from uh, uh, Mia Hansen Love there of Bergman Island. Uncertain, Uncertain Regard did 8 of 18, including Beast, which is going to be the directorial debut of Riley Keough alongside Gina Gamel. Look at... I'm not... You know, starting a parade for you know can getting these numbers. These aren't great numbers. Give me a break. I don't think a, a can parade is anything you have to worry about anytime soon from MMO in general. That's probably a good way to put it. But uh, we do this every year. Every year we have this conversation. Every year we get lip service, and every year it's nothing happens. It's frustrating, and they've been one of the holdouts mm-hmm. because a lot of these other festivals have True. adapted, like we just saw. Oh uh, yeah, when I say every year, I mean specific to Cannes. Yeah, I mean they they, yeah. they we have these conversations and these concerns about Cannes every single year. Yeah. Uh, other Cannes highlights, though, they do include three thousand years of longing. We saw the the new still of an elf-eared Idris Elba next to Tilda Swinton, who we thought was going to be the immortal Jinn, but no, not necessarily. That is Idris Elba, Michael. And we Mac- don't know that for sure. <laughs> in Mad Max, George Miller's next film. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I've been worried about this movie. That was in my top 10 feared films of last year. That's coming out this year, so I'm still worried about 3,000 Years of Longing. Just watch the dialogue scenes in Max, Max, Mad Max Fury Road again and tell me I shouldn't be worried. Well, Mad Max also was plagued by a production which the two leads absolutely hated each other. True, Tom Hardy and Charlize right. were not fans of one another. Probably right. will uh, not be working with each other anytime soon. We do have Elvis and Top Gun Maverick, as we've covered before. Otherwise, we got Z, which was formerly called Final Cut. That's going to be the opening night film from Michelle Hazana Vichus uh, of The Artist. Uh, This is a remake of one of the cooler, innovative horror films of the last 10 years, One Cut of the Dead. I, I, I definitely encourage people to go watch that. This was supposed to go to Sundance, but we're now getting... Z used to be called Final Cut at Cannes, so I'm looking forward to that. Otherwise, we got Lee Jung Jae. He is, of course, the Squid Game star, lead actor who won a SAG and won a Critics' Choice Award for his performance in Squid Game. He has his directorial debut called Hunt in the Midnight uh, section of Cannes, where Alex Garland's Men, starring Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear, you know that we reviewed the trailer a couple episodes ago, was also granted a special screening. So that's Cannes. One Cut of the Dead currently streaming on AMC Plus, too, if you want to go check it out. Uh, uh, I, I, Do that. I'm, my earmuffs? Mm-hmm. I watched clips of it, and it was very good. 
Uh, I said earmuffs. The whole point <laughs> of one said cut earmuffs. of the dead. I said earmuffs. Is it <laughs> you can't listen to, to work this. on you gradually? The story is brilliant. Oh, and and the first twenty minutes, if you can get through the, you're gonna you're gonna hear the first, you're gonna watch the first twenty minutes of one cut in the dead, and you're gonna hate me. You're like by minute eighteen, you're gonna be like, why am I watching this? And then it is so you just wait. It's brilliant how they uh, how they handle that. Love you it. sat with me through last night's screening, and you think I can handle eighteen more minutes of prolonged nonsense? It's prolonged nonsense, but it pays off deliciously. You watched me, but it's fall. But it's asleep. your kind of. You watched no, me it, pass out. <laughs> it's your kind of prolonged nonsense because it's like a D zombie movie. I, I will. I will. Look, it's not that I don't want to watch these things, and I prefer to watch clips. It's just so I'm informed about them, and I'm scared I won't get to them. And I want to, I, I want to take the dive. I just, I'm scared I won't ever don't do it. So I have try to. to get me to empathize with you. You're right. Don't You're try right. to I'm plead. Being if You're right. <laughs> for my sympathies, you are spouting heretic, heretical nonsense, and all I hear is the Exorcist two score in my head. Bees and of Honeyland yelps. Because I think of when I think of bees, I think of Honeyland, a movie I despise as well, and just nails on a chalkboard uh-huh. score. Well, look, I'm not going to say you figured out the way to deal with me, but <laughs> I'm glad I did not let you. I would not let you just just get evil. Me there. I'm just the fucking. I'm the evil. I'm the face from The Exorcist that flashes in that scene, just whispering evil. <laughs> Right, and then I'm gonna say, oh, okay, you, yeah, you're right. You should, you don't <laughs> no. need to watch you, you're, all these you're just, movies. You're throwing yourself movies. through the window over and over again, like the father. Right, you can watch <laughs> clips. You don't have to watch all my favorite films and enjoy the the this, this pure cinema that I'm trying to recommend here. No, 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 it's fine. I'm and the then demon I'm that shows up three. behind Patrick Wilson in that movie, where. It's- <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and you'll get me later, like the scare jump scares in Exorcist Three or the jump scares in Insidious, because right. now we're talking about jump scares. I'm glad we we settled on this. Let's talk about Thor: Love and Thunder. It had a trailer release this week. <laughs> yeah, we're tacking on a couple of stories here because we gotta. And Thor: Love and Thunder was a huge trailer, broke the internet. I'm kind of surprised though that this is not a Natalie Portman Same. trailer or a Natalie Portman story. Same, but this looks like Guardians of the Galaxy. Whatever, four, three, four. And Thor 4. I mean, it looks cool. I'm glad we're hanging out with Thor getting back into shape. That's really funny. Uh, it's also really funny that he's, you know, mixing it up and have a very, a very funny punchline with Chris Pat- Pratt's Star-Lord there. I'm all I about laugh it. out loud joke that was. But the glimpses of the female empowerment stuff is is only that. It's just glimpses of Tessa Thompson as King in a boss suit. It's just a, a final shot of female Thor, Natalie Portman, Jane Foster. Well, it was it's online marketed as a teaser. I mean, it says it right in the headline. I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. They don't. I mean, the payoff to this has to be Natalie Portman, right? It has to be her movie, or at least the third I, act I has to be it, all about her. Maybe, but. I don't know. I was. I'm just a little surprised. I thought Thor was going to be a supporting character. Maybe I'm an Still idiot might be. because he's in a billion dollar franchise that he's led to billion dollar movies, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, there was him- there was a lot hidden in this trailer. I think is my, what I'm getting at. Like <laughs> Natalie Portman was still. We only got the one look at her. We didn't get anything from Tessa Thompson. We don't get Christian Bale. Right. However, shout out to CB Nostalgia and that great podcast and those you know friend of, friends of ours on Film Twitter. We don't shout them out enough on mm-hmm. the show, Agreed. but they are covering this. Soup to nuts, and they're talking about both angles of that one shot where A, 
somebody could be CGI'd out and they had all theories on who it is because you have Korg and Thor and then like a blank spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be obviously a three person you know, looking up at a spaceship leaving. Who is that? Who's there? Is it Jane Foster or Sif or Tess Thompson? Uh, or is it Hercules? Is it a new character? Who the hell knows? Or is this Disney and Marvel knowing that we think that they're going to you know, CGI out people like they did in the last Spider-Man movie, like they've done before, and therefore they're playing with a playing with our heads. Right. right, could be either one. I mean, who knows at this point? But it, it, do they have anyone? I, I, I see. Now I'm just spouting off the top of my head. Do, I wonder. I don't know that anyone's been cast as Hercules. So maybe if it is someone a new character like Hercules, it'd have to be an A-list actor that took the part in secret, right? For them to go through the trouble of hiding right. it this long. Is it somebody that's going to be introduced in Doctor Strange? Maybe it's Christian Bale's character. Yeah, maybe it's Christian Bale's character who becomes Batman, and it's Batman in that scene. Look, we've had so many villains. <laughs> Thank you. I was, I was, I, I knew you that did, you didn't hear that first off. <laughs> we, yeah, no, this is something I do. This, I'll get on myself. For this. I, I listened to your jokes later. That was a good one, uh, even though it's simple, but it worked on me. So I appreciate it. But I'm it that's the thing. If it's Christian Bale as some multiversal kind of villain that we think he's a villain, but not is a, is not a villain. Anyway, people who saw the action figure are probably laughing in my face right now because they know exactly who Christian Bale's character is. I saw the action they know figure. The, if they know the comic books, but I, I don't know who that is. Is that a bad guy, a good guy? I'm guessing it's a bad guy. Looks but... like Moon Knight. <laughs> I mean, he's char- really the like... character looks like Moon I mean, he kind of does. I mean, not exactly, but he kind of does. Wrong. What are you talking How, about? Did you see he the character? Like did you see the action figure? Lizard. He looks like a lizard. He did you see the action like... figure? Not the drawing. Did you see the action yeah. figure? Yes, I saw the action figure. Oh, well, Moon then you're Knight wrong. looks like you are blind. <laughs> you you have your eyesight is faltering. You're just seeing haze. Oscar Isaac looks nothing not like lizard looks Christian like Oscar Bale. Isaac. I'm saying he looks like Moon Knight a little bit. And the Moon Knight. Because what? Because white? White. <laughs> I give up. I give up. If you think that looks like Moon Knight, I don't know what to tell you. Let's, get out of here. Let's talk about a box office update. We're almost done. Come on. <laughs> We're almost done. Last weekend, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which we... How does that fucking series keep making money? Are we... What are you people doing? <laughs> <laughs> 42.2 million. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a fan of the Fantastic Beast series. I'm just not. I'm I'm not even going to see this movie. I don't think I'm amazing. I going to see it. I I am truly amazed that it's a, I mean, I guess that's just credit to the strength of Harry Potter, but I'm amazed this series is making the money it is. If you and I were critics and not pundits, we would probably have to see this movie, but we don't have to see it now, right? So, I can't in good conscience, go see The Secrets of Dumbledore. I'm way more, I mean, I, I'll watch Johnny Depp's trial. That's as close as I'll get to <laughs> watching Imagine this if movie. he took his mask off and it's Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> I don't know why that, what a that, twist. that would work. What a twist. I'm just clapping at my laptop. people watching that, those trials for strange reasons. Like, I, it's just train wreck TV, yeah, no? It's been some, so I mean, it's, well, it's been some revealing stuff is what it's been, but... That's a different oh conversation God. for a different podcast. What are we talking about? Yeah. Fantastic Beaks won last weekend. 
uh, over Sonic the Hedgehog, which is doing awesome, 29.3 in its second week or third week, I forget. Uh, I think it's second week. The Lost City is still doing decent money. I saw that. That was pretty good, by the way. Oh, good. It was funny. Uh, uh, Tatum and Bullock were awesome in it. That, that made me laugh a lot. Brad Pitt's character made me laugh. Uh, funny movie. Uh, hell, Harry Potter himself made me laugh yeah. in that darn movie. Anyway, everything, everywhere, all at once has been a major MMO wreck, at least an AM MMO wreck for a while. That just passed 21.4 million for A24 after four weeks, just platform releasing, giving us all hope in the indie film box office again. Thank God. Father Stu otherwise, 5.4 million, Mike. But we have projections for this weekend that are kind of intriguing when we throw this new slate of films in. And it's cool to have a new slate of films, by the way. Yeah, The Bad Guys is on track for 13 to $18 million opening. It did 1.15 in preview showings Thursday night as we recorded this on Friday. And The Northman uh, on track to do an 8 to $12 million opening. It did 1.35 in Thursday preview showings. One of our local theaters was almost completely sold out. And the theater, Mike and I ended up seeing it and actually was fairly packed. Act. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back to that in a second. The unbearable weight of massive talent, which is just going by massive talent, on track to do a six to nine million dollar opening. Nice, eight hundred thirty-five thousand total gross in Thursday showings. <laughs> Michael, what do you want to cover about the Northman? Quick. I uh, I had a rough first viewing. I'm shocked yeah. because I loved both Eggers films. I really did. Mm-hmm. I loved the the Easter Eggers series. But I want to fight. I would beat the the Northman. I would beat him in a fight. And I never it's just say you that. holding a PJ Clark's burger while he's got his big sword. Me, me, so cocky lately because I'll go on the elliptical for twenty minutes a day after you know doing a couple machines mm-hmm. and I think my biceps are like I notice a vein and I think I look tough. And this guy with you know the most achievement in trapezoids. <laughs> <laughs> that he should win awards for is awesome and he's six foot five by the way and his last name is Skarsgård and here I think I could take him but he's so slow mm. he's the slowest fighter and I'm so mad at that movie for having such shitty action action scenes which like, is only are... one of its issues yeah uh, the other thing you know it's just too long mm. uh which we both anyway i'm holding back so much yeah, right now are. because i want to scream at that movie and fight it yeah i want to fight that effing movie and this is the worst ed space to be <laughs> first time guest on mmo here she comes and what it, like this is why i have to go see it again and again this weekend and do the full film study because there's a lot of juicy bits to it I should, that's the worst phrasing ever. Well, no, I mean, there's blood. Or Freudian, Freudian, yeah, no, I was taking it the other way. I know you were. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I think that connects to the other two movies quite a bit. So Easter Eggers will have a, a finale, one hell of a finale. <laughs> but my God, I am shocked at how much I despise the Northmen, and I'm... I, I have to see it again. Where where are you at with it? Are you you kind of like I want kind of meh. Yeah, I am. Very, I'm very meh. I want to like it more than I do, but it was just not great. <laughs> it delivers on spectacle, but yeah. you literally fell asleep during the movie. Sure did. I did you just keep my attention. I if I mean, we walked in and I was like, man, I got a bad feeling about this, and it was purely due to runtime because our biggest praising, one of our biggest praising, I should say, of Eggers thus far of his first two films. Mm-hmm. Was that he's so he doesn't do any of the BS shots. He doesn't do coverage. He's just so straight to the point. He's A to B in his storytelling. And this movie is 136 minutes in runtime, and he gets a little lost in the sauce in those 136 minutes. He doesn't go A to B. He goes A to 
Q and then we're going to hit Z and we might stop at G on the way back and then we'll get to B eventually by the end of the movie. But yeah, it's uh, not what I was expecting. I'm surprised you went the alphabet soup uh, metaphors, <laughs> so we'll have to workshop those for the next episode. Icelandic alphabet soup mm-hmm. with uh, accents. Yeah. And they put two dots above. Boomless! Yeah. They have B and A and F and P all look like one letter, which is, again, <laughs> uh, just way above my head. Uh, Sion right. is the writer. He's He's got the CV to honor, by the way, and we're getting on him. And Bjork is in it, and oh, there's so much cool shit to talk about with the Northmen. Uh, never mind workout regimens. You're already coming that, around to it. Yeah, I'm talking myself into. Uh, I want to see it again. Like it works as a spectacle. Like the canvas, the black. Yeah, it's, it's got great postcards that can be taken from it. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm, ju- I'm just shocked that I hated the story. Yeah, I, I just want it. Not a good story. Like, just get off the boat and kill everybody. Just do it. What are you doing? Why do we have two hours after he gets off the boat? Get off the boat, kill everybody. It's every freaking action movie plot ever that they've done since the beginning of time, especially in the 80s and 90s. Get off the boat, kill everybody. If you go to PJ Clark's and you order a burger and they give you one bite of meat surrounded by, you know, a quarter pound of fat on the rest of the patty, that's the Northman. They would never. That's what the Northman is. I just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And I have to be honest. And I'm just not going to be. I'm not. I'm never going to be the type of critic who just. But look at. I stand by my. Uh, I stand by my. The fact that we've z- z- zigged and when everybody else was zagging in the past. I was thinking about and, this on the drive home, too. I'm like, are, do we just hate cinema, you and I? <laughs> like, no, I feel like we no. always are down on these movies that well, everybody else likes. Down, we get down when the parade happens prematurely and they are so damn wrong. Yeah. That's what we get down on. We, we lose faith in them. And we, we just, you know, we're going to have to have, uh, like, uh, we're going to have to have some serious come to Jesus moments as a film critic community. And I just don't think we should all yeah, I'll hold my put a thumbs up those. to a movie just because Scars <laughs> Scarsguard does 15 minutes of shrugs every every other workout. <laughs> like, that's, like, I know it looks great. He look he's, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. My God, what a man. Uh, but Jesus. Yeah, not to... Uh... I give you credit for even trying to, to rewatch it. I don't think I can. If I if I went in to rewatch that movie right now, I'd bring a blanket. You blanket and a whoop you bring a whoopie. <laughs> <laughs> the Northman, my God, high stakes for that review because we love the guests that we have coming in for that. And uh I, I won't uh, just in case she doesn't show up or she's terrified of showing up after this yeah. episode airs, uh, I we'll get her on MMO because she's awesome and and uh can't wait to talk to her but jesus easter eggers what an unpredictable finale yeah if anybody you were putting out tweets that went viral talking about three movie runs back to back to back yeah oh my god yeah what a shock shocking twist Uh, i guess the direction's good like it looks it looks it looks looks, it's at astra all right uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll finish up with some stories. Sony's moving some of its slate. Spider-Verse is going to debut now, June of 2023. Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which is a live-action mis- mixed with animation musical, is going uh, to October 7th. That's moving from its November original release date. Madam Web to- going to be debuting July 7th of 2023. Uh, the Equalizer 3 is now slated for September 1st of 2023. Uh, what else do we have from Sony here, Mike? 
Yeah, the studio's Korean war movie devotion that we didn't preview last time, but probably should have, uh, from director J.D. Dillard, stars Jonathan Majors. We've been waiting for his, waiting for his uh, Oscar breakout, and this is a very Oscar-y rollout, platforming uh, on October 14th. Limited runs, expanding uh, through the month of October, going wide on the 28th. This is called Devotion. And you never know. You never know what Jonathan Majors mm-hmm. attached. But look, at, I mean, the, the whole Sony slate was more of a just kind of strategically them m- maneuvering. And I, as I'm feeling myself, as my blood is up, ready to fight Alexander Skarsgård, mm-hmm. I do think uh, I do think I could say with confidence that they listened to our episode. Good. They realized the animation slate was too stocked, mm-hmm. too stacked, and Spider-Verse needed to move to the, the next June. Yeah. I mean, they knew that. I'm glad. And they knew based on our release date episodes that June is a fine time for Best Animated Feature Oscar winners. Well, that's, they knew that. That's, that's why we do the... Uh... <laughs> That's why we do the show, you know? That's why we do what we do. Just helping yeah, out executives across La La Land. <laughs> We're ass shitting We're on asses. Their work. <laughs> We're asses. <laughs> I'm the biggest ass of the world. Yes. <laughs> As always, what matters most to us in this ridiculous ending of this episode are uh, your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. We want to hear from you about anything within this episode, as well as anything we do here uh, in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those on our social media. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Spotify or the Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do here we would thank you very very much for doing so would only take a couple seconds out of your day thank you to all of those who have done so thus far uh michael you we've already kind of teased what's coming next but tell the good people for sure and uh, let's have some words of wisdom to end on the northman dr strange in the multiverse of madness doubt and abby a new era oh, top God. gun maverick Ugh. no doubt about it Ugh. the next four film studies <laughs> we have to do we've just been destined to do we were born for this i can't, uh, I can't especially you i can't do any of those i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we got to finish our year in preview series or or do we yeah we, uh, do. we have we have a repeat uh, special of the top 10 feared films that we hope to do, that we're planning to do. Uh, we have the picks that are coming up eventually. We got other specials, and certainly we got Oscar race checkpoints galore through the spring because of these spring film festivals that we mentioned. Uh, and, of course, that we will re- we will react to the reactions, and we will overreact to the overreactions, as we always do, Michael. Sure do. It's kind of the role those we, are wise words. we fill in. But, uh, yeah, look forward to the Northmen. Hopefully we'll have a guest for that. Hopefully it won't just be Mike <laughs> and I putting it down for an hour straight. So uh, how, how did this happen? Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it. Well, I'm shocked. I'm a... shocked. And maybe I'm just let down that there's... You know, they, they they said big naked fight scene. Did you see a Heine or a, or a winner? Oh, you get some, you get some you backside. You get some backside. Yeah, CGI everything. Now you get some backside. Yeah. But that's uh, I. I mean, what it? I mean, we we at least thought it was going to be crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not a crazy. Let, a little let down. I'm going to have to just you know dig down deep and and. Do the film study thing, so we'll see. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come get ready for the next Oscar race in the film festival slate with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. I mean, if you market a movie on CGI pe- penis <laughs> and then you don't show any CGI penis, I was curious. I was just, uh, anyway, I had to explain myself again. Nervous breakdown at the end of the show. Good. We'll see you. Hit the quota. Cool